I'm just leaving it playing because I love this this new music. It is so cool. All right, here we go. Seven o'clock on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, in Kyoto, Japan. It is 11 p.m. and in Malaysia, it's 1964. I'm Jay Sheldon, and pants? Nah, not wearing them. <laughs> <sighs> I, I'm leaving the music for just a little bit tonight. Normally, I just cut it out when the standby slide goes away. But this is new music from the amazing Harris Heller over at StreamBeats.com. Uh, they don't pay for the plug, but they do provide the music for you if you are a streamer. It is copyright-free. It is free music. You can use it in all your streams, your videos, your live streams, on whatever platform. And you don't pay for it. You will not get a copyright strike or a hit. In fact, they give you a contract, an agreement that says you have the right to use it. It is free. And they've just come out with a couple of new albums. So if you're a streamer, you could do a lot worse than checking out streambeats.com for their music over there. It is amazing. And two songs ago in the standby role when it says, you know, streaming starts soon. I don't know what that song was, but it was damn cool. So yeah, this is just some of the new tracks from uh, from Harris Heller and the guys over at uh, Stream Beats. Thank you. All right. Not that Harris ever listens to the show, but if you should happen to stumble across this show somewhere, uh, a tip of the hat to to you and all the good folks, amazing folks at uh, at Streambeats. All right, we're live. We are. It's a Saturday night, and it's hotter than blazes in Malaysia again. We had such a nice week. We had a great week. The weather was not too hot, a little cool at night, but for some reason today it came back with a vengeance, and today was hotter than hell all day long and now even tonight i just stepped outside before our live stream here when i popped in the studio and um even tonight it's it took all i had to put a shirt on otherwise i would have been sitting here not wearing pants and not wearing a shirt but you know i mean that's probably the last thing you want to see we, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. YouTube.com slash J Sheldon Malaysia. Be sure you subscribe. If you want to support the show, go to Patreon.com. Look up J Sheldon. And uh, you can join at a very, like, three bucks a month or something. Very cheap just to help support the show. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. Patreon.com slash J Sheldon. You want to join at a second tier level. A little more expensive, but still not very much. And uh, you get access to all of our books, all the classic books that we have read on, on the last hundred over streams. They're all there, and it's basically like an audio book library for you, read by this guy. And uh, also, uh, the third tier level, you get uh, me doing some voiceover work for you. So that's pretty cool. Patreon.com slash Jay Sheldon. Check it out. Support it support us if you can it's toast well i hope it is thank you (laughs) 
Hello there. Good to have you along for the ride tonight. It's Toast. Um, we also want to welcome in our podcast listeners. Yeah, we are also a podcast. Uh, it's the audio only portion of the show. And we put that up about half an hour, an hour after our live stream ends, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. And you can find us on all Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. If you listen to podcasts, look for the logo, just search I'm Not Wearing Pants, subscribe, download, have yourself a ball. If you want to watch, if you're listening to the podcast now and you want to watch the video version, we upload the video. We're not live on Rumble, although... I'll tell you about that in a minute. But uh, we do have our video show. This show you're watching right now is uh, on Rumble. And again, we upload that just about an hour after we get done with the live show on rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants. Rumble.com. You can sign up for accounts absolutely free. And if you do subscribe, please, to Jay Sheldon, no pants over there. You'll find us. You'll know it's us. You'll see my ugly mug all over all the videos and everything. So check that out over there at uh, rumble.com, which is also, by the way, a really cool site for videos, all kinds of stuff. Uh, yes, there is a lot of political stuff. They do not censor you. They don't cut things out. They don't give you strikes. They don't throw you off the channel like YouTube does, but... Um, but it's a pretty cool place, and it's not just political. It's got a little bit of everything, funny cat and animal videos, this show. <laughs> and they have the ability to do live streaming on your channel over there. I have not included it because they've priced it for the American market. And you have to join. It's free. But if you want to do live streaming, you have to join up with them as a creator at a certain level and honestly it's for an american being paid in usd it's not too bad it's pretty reasonable when you convert at what now the ringgit is in malaysia to usd which is over like what four to one it's pricey so and while i appreciate all my patreon subscribers over there i'm not making that much money Believe me, I'm not. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I am considering paying to get the next level up on Rumble so we can also be live on Rumble because I would love, 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 love to be live over there on Rumble. We'll see. Someday, maybe by next week, we'll, we'll have an announcement. We'll let you know. All right. Uh, that's pretty much all the mumbo jumbo. Now on to the really important stuff. Miko update. <laughs> yeah, Miko update. Miko's doing great. She was. Shiba Inus have this thing where they lay on their back with their legs and their feet up in the air and just kind of exposing themselves to the world. And um, she was just doing that before I came on the air here. I was going to grab a picture, but I, I couldn't do it in time. Uh, what I did manage to do, however, was get a picture from her from earlier. Let me see. I don't know if that's going to come up or not. It probably won't focus. Yeah, it's too bright on my phone. Anyway, that's her on the stairs. She's doing really well. Uh, we had a nice long walk tonight. And um, again, you probably can't see that because it's, it's
it's way too bright. Yeah, never mind. You can't see it. All right. So anyway, Miko's doing really well. She's healthy. She's fine. She's actually stopped being a picky eater. I, I have no idea what happened, but all of a sudden now, Miko is eating me out of house and home. She, she always used to, we'd feed her, you know, we cook some meat for her and then we give her some wet food, um, good stuff. But uh, she would kind of sit around and, you know, she's not, not like you put the bowl down and she's like, num, 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 num. So she'd just kind of look at it and go, oh, yeah, look, you made food. Mm, nice. Uh, maybe I'll think about eating it later. So <laughs> she's, she's a bit of an attitude when it comes to the meals. But if for the last few days, for some reason, she's like, mm, give me that and give me some more. She's um, She's been raging through her food like crazy so i mean good great but yeah she's uh she's eating me out of house and home hey malaysia won a gold medal yes yes we are so happy and so proud in the paralympics uh, i want to start out with a look at uh, what the embassy of japan in malaysia posted a congratulations message from His Excellency Ambassador Oka Hiroshi on Japan, uh, Malaysia's gold medal at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics. Uh, Bonnie Bunyao Gustin from uh, Sarawak or Sabah, I believe. Uh, he won uh, Malaysia's first gold medal for men's powering, powerlifting up to the 72 kg category at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. His remarkable performance, the uh, ambassador said, will be sure to boost the spirit of Malaysia, and hopefully his win will be followed by the best performance of many other Malaysian para-athletes. Tanya, which basically means congratulations in Bahasa. Uh, Tanya Malaysia, Bani Bunyao Gustin. Uh, men's powerlifting, and we've got one other here from the sundaily.my. Um, clinches the gold for Malaysia and breaks the Paralympic record. How about that? This guy is hot stuff. Uh, national powerlifting champ, pulled off an amazing feat, won the first gold medal for Malaysia on the fourth day of the Tokyo Paralympics Games today. More impressive, was, oh, he's from Sarawak. Okay, the Sarawakian, born in Syrian, also broke the Olympic record. Broke the record of 227 kilograms. Yes, set by Rasui Mosin from Iraq in Rio of 2016 uh, when he lifted 228 kilograms in his third attempt on the first day of the sport that is fantastic didn't better his own world record of 230 but um yeah amazing and won the gold uh br started brilliantly with a lift of 217 continued lifting 225 in the second attempt before completing the third in style and broke the paralympic record Fantastic. We are so proud of you. That is that is just the coolest, coolest thing. All right. We wanted to uh wanted to bring that up first and give a big hearty hi ho out to uh, to Bonnie. Congratulations to you.
hopefully the first of many more gold medals to come. But you know what? Medals or no medals, you guys and gals are amazing. You put your heart and soul into it. Both are uh, athletes in the uh, regular Olympics and these Paralympic Games. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. We are very proud in Malaysia. Well, something else we are proud of here in this country is our food. If you talk to too many Malaysians or transplanted, transplanted Malaysians, uh, the subject will come to food very fast. Well, Italy is having a love affair. It, Italy's only in the entire country, there's a Malaysian food truck and it draws a rather unlikely crowd. Italians, believe it or not. Yeah, Justin Yip's satay. Satay is like meat on a stick, basically, made over of charcoals, and uh, it's got like a peanut sauce. It's If you've never tried it, you must. If, if you find a way to, to get it wherever you are on the planet, listening in on the show or watching in, but um, Italians are going crazy, and uh, he uh, the satay is winning over nationalistic eaters. This is a picture of his uh, his truck, his satay truck, and check that out. There you can see. Let me uh, get my mouse back here. Uh, right here in his hand, he is making the satay, and there is the kind of a charcoal. This traditional long rectangular uh, kind of. Thing that holds the charcoal on the grill and that's pretty much it there's some sort of sauce they put on it and um, it's meat on a stick but I'm telling you it is good stuff and the Italians are finding out exactly that uh, Italy undoubtedly one of this is from uh, atlasobscura.com uh, tip of the hat to them uh, undoubtedly one of the world's culinary epicenters Techniques and recipes honed over centuries uh, from Italy, brought to or born on the fertile peninsula, have spread worldwide, attracting millions of tourists each year seeking pinnacles of gastronomy. On the other hand, Italy's international food scene leaves a lot to be desired. And Justin Yip pulls no punches. He's quoted here saying, It is the worst place in the world for non-Italian food. Two years ago, he opened the first and likely the only Malaysian food truck in the country. In many ways, Yip's truck, Sate uh, and Sake, is the antithesis of Italian food culture. Traditional sates and curries to the robust student population of Turin. Uh, he's Malaysian board and stands for fast casual foreign fare in the home of three ingredient masterpieces and a slow food movement. Uh, hope to build a business by feeding Asian exchange students. However, the Italians found him and fell in love with the food. They're the backbone of his clientele. Over 90% of the folks buying his satay are Italians. Uh, by Yip's estimate, I was hoping to win over some Italians, but I didn't expect this many. There you go, sate and sake. <laughs> Fantastic. That is brilliant. Such a great story and some good news. All right. Congratulations to Mr. Yip. 
doing it right with our Malaysian satay over there in uh, in the land of food, really. When it comes to Italy, you could um, you could do a lot worse for food. Mm -mm. Which reminded me when I was reading this story earlier to preview it for the show. There's something, I mean, you can get pizza all out the wazoo here. There is every form of pizza from all the franchised Pizza Hut, Papa John's, Domino's, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and then there's some local pizzerias. There's a one that just opened maybe a year or so ago called Big Brooklyn Pizza. Very nice stuff. Big Brooklyn, if you're listening, tip of the hat. Truly like an authentic Brooklyn pizza taste. If you've ever had a real Brooklyn pizza, you'll know what I'm talking about. And they've recreated it pretty well. They do a good job. I know there's one in uh, SS15 in Malaysia, if you're in, in Malaysia. You want to check it out, do that. Um, hey, Serena Lee, welcome to the stream. Checking us out over there on, uh, on Facebook. Serena, I'm using one of your posts tonight. So stand by. We're going to give you a tip of the hat. Uh, not next, but I think as a part of, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be using something you posted. Thank you. Uh, I, oh, man, and thank you for all the crap you post. We love it. <laughs> we really do. Uh, anyway, uh, they, they make great. But the one thing I can't find here is a calzone. If you don't know what a calzone is, look it up. But you, uh, you've been banned again? Oh, no. <laughs> Screw Facebook. Is there any way we could just, can we start an alternative to Facebook? I, I know Gab and, you know, Parlor and all that, but uh, there's got to be a way. There's just got, just like Rumble.com has said, screw you to, to YouTube. And a lot of people, not just conservatives, liberals, they don't, whoever you are and whatever your opinion is, uh, as long as it's when the bounds of legal, uh, they don't edit you over there. Um, yeah, I, I hope it still comes up. I've got it bookmarked here. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out together. Um, anyway, I'm sorry you got banned, but by now I'm sure you're probably used to, you've got your own customized cell over there in Facebook jail. Those freaking morons. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Enough of that. I'm going to get kicked off the channel myself. Um, I can't find a good calzone. The Strangely enough, the last calzone I had was in Pattaya in Thailand. There was an authentic Italian restaurant there, and they had mm, a really good calzone. A calzone, if you, can, if you don't know, is almost like a pizza folded in half and then sealed. And inside is cheese and tomato sauce and whatever meat you want to put in there and mushrooms and stuff. It's, it's so good. Anyway, can't find a good calzone. If anybody in Malaysia knows where you can, please email me. Nopants at jsheldon.com and let me know where I can find a good calzone in Malaysia. Because I have looked and I can't find one. I can't even find somebody who knows what a calzone is. And the other thing I can't find is kielbasa or kielbasa. It's a Polish sausage, but it's quite fat and long. Usually comes in a in a refrigerated pack, and it's like kielbasa and cabbage with potatoes. It's like a one pot meal. Oh, I used to have that growing up. Kielbasa and cabbage with with boiled potatoes. Very Polish meal, but 
very delicious. And I cannot find kielbasa anywhere in this country. Okay, speaking of when I was a kid, you just made that yesterday? Ah, oh, man, now I'm jealous. Uh, I would, I would love to, love to have that again. I haven't had that in so many years. My mom used to make it, and then when I was out on my own, I used to make it myself because it's so simple. You take a cabbage, you cut it up into quarters or maybe eighths, you just dump it in the pot, peel some potatoes, dump those in the pot, cut up the kielbasa into little sections, throw that in the pot, boil it up, and dig in. Oh, oh man. Not much better. Good stuff. Okay. When I was a child, that's the start of always interesting stories. Um, <laughs> what did you do as a child that would be considered dangerous today? Now, that would be wide open because, you know, these idiots and morons and all these lawyers who sue everybody for anything. They have made life, sadly, a lot less interesting for kids these days who need to wear helmets and got to have all the safety gears and elbow pads and this and knee pads. And then, and then. <laughs> Look, I'm in my 60s. So my kids years was the 1960s and 70s really um and we did some crazy crap and in fact almost everything we did back then would have been considered either illegal these days or you know you'd be clushing your pearls every day with some of the stuff we used to do. A friend of mine, Gail Riley, answered this um, by saying, and she's right, uh, riding in the back of a pickup truck? Absolutely. I told you I rode in the back of a Subaru Brat 200 miles from Cornwall, Connecticut to uh, Boston, Massachusetts. It was insane. Uh, in the car with no seat belts? Yep. Uh, now, that is kind of stupid, but eh, we used to do it. Uh, going fishing on your own. Why would that be dangerous? Oh, and, you know, in case you fell in or something, you know, whatever. Uh, riding our bikes on the main highway. Yeah, we used to have, you know, the main road and then the, the town roads. And mom would always say, okay, you can go ride your bike, but stay on the town roads. Don't go on the main roads. Uh, now, here's one. I, I don't know what this is. But dipped cedar shakes in creosote, which made us all nauseous. <laughs> and the list goes on. Yeah, that's true. The list goes on indeed. Um, oh, Serena, here's your post. It is still there. This is the thing. Serena Lee, uh, who is in our chat over there on Facebook, says, Ask kids today in 20 years. And they'll say Tide Pods. Yes, there you go, Tide Pods. Everything I did was considered dangerous by today's standards, but so much fun. Oh, yeah. And that's likely why you posted this. This. There you go. <laughs> a shout out. If you're listening on a pod, the podcast, uh, sorry, go to rumble.com slash Pants and subscribe over there. Um, you can see the video version of our show. A shout out to all the adults on the porch who watched this scenario unfold and just calmly 
sat there. Yes. <laughs> this actually looks... Is this a motorcycle or a bicycle that's built to look like them? I think it's a bicycle. I see pedals and a chain. Yet yeah, this... We used to do this. I have described this before when we were talking about stupid things we did as kids. We used to have fun with Estes rockets. Those were a blast, literally. <laughs> Don't ask. But this we used to do all the time. And in fact, if you notice here, hang on, let me get my mouse back. This looks almost like a banana bike. The banana bike, nah, maybe not. But it would have a long seat and this big part here that would stick up your back, like some sort of backrest. And then these handlebars would be a big V. So you were like this, and it went way up in the air. They were, I don't know, for some reason it was called a banana bike. And um, you remember eating leaves and paper when you were younger. <laughs> okay, toast. <laughs> Why not? Oh, man. We used to have something called Indian paintbrushes. They were a little flower that grew like a weed, but they taste amazing. I was told that you could eat them, so, you know, I'm a kid. What do I know? I tried them. I, apparently, it didn't kill me because I'm still here annoying you guys, but they're really, really tasty. They were very nice. Not when they flower, but when they're just a bud. It was like Indian... They were called Indian paintbrushes. Anyway, we did this. Al DeGrinia, Mike Watts, Lloyd Golden, Tony Locke, myself, Chris Marola, all the gang from back in West Cornwall in Connecticut. We would all, you see down here on the ground? These kids are underneath this jump. Right there. You see, this is not their feet. These are other kids watching, and these are kids laying down on the ground, and then a cement block on some sort of other cement thing with a ramp you pedaled your ass as fast as you could and hit the ramp flew over top and you got one two three four five kids now if you had big enough gonads you would take up this position because if you're gonna miss the chances are that guy's the one who's gonna get smacked by the bicycle but um Never did happen. You know, we used to try and see how far we could get. We'd pre-measure to know about how many kids you could stick under there. And if you'll notice, no helmet, no knee pads, no elbow pads, no safety gear. And if I'm not, yeah, it looks like a pair of sneakers. <laughs> Why not? Back in the day when uh, we did a whole show, a whole segment of a show about... Um, crazy playground equipment in days gone by that would never, ever pass muster today. Uh, it was very cool. <laughs> it was extremely cool. All right. Eating leaves and paper. Well, why not? Oh, my. I'll tell you the Estes rocket story. We made a rocket car. Well, a miniature rocket car. I'll tell you that story another day. But thanks for sharing that, Serena. It fit in perfect with the other story I did. So wanted to uh, combine those two into one. All right. Japan has set another world record. <laughs> and this is quite a record. Um, 
we didn't do much heavy stuff tonight because I just thought, you know what, it's Saturday night and I don't feel like bitching about things. So we're just going to keep it light, light and breezy. And I saw this story, had to share it. First of all, it's Japan and, you know, me in Japan. But this is amazing. A man has broken a world record traveling 7,000 kilometers across Japan for an epic proposal, not just any proposal. There's the headline. This is from worldofbuzz.com. Thank you, World of Buzz. Um, I'm going to show you the proposal in a minute. This crazy Japanese guy wanted to propose to his girlfriend, and he it took him 7,000 kilometers to do it across Japan. And here's why. Take a look. The largest Google Earth GPS drawing in history. He drove all across Japan spelling out the words, marry me. From way down near uh, Okinawa, all the way up to Hokkaido. Well, almost Hokkaido. That is amazing. Look at that picture. That is incredible. There is uh, he and his now fiance, I assume, uh, holding up a, a picture that he created with Google Earth by driving all these locations. Amazing. Now, I, uh, as the Proclaimers song once said, and I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the man who walks a thousand miles to fall down at your door. Nine, uh, 13 years ago, one man decided he was going to travel 7,000 kilometers to propose to the love of his life. Back in 2008, Yasushi Yasan Takahashi landed himself a Guinness World Record for the largest GPS drawing in history. He traveled for a half a year to write Marry Me Across Japan. Oh, and look, there it is on Hokkaido. He drew a heart. Ha ha! I didn't see that before. That is, look at that heart with the arrow through it. That's incredible. The most elaborate proposal ever, possibly. That is insane. In order to make it happen, he planned out the journey from Hokkaido to the shores of uh, Kagoshima. He also quit his job so he'd have time to pull off the elaborate proposal. Um, Serena says, no way. It would suck if she said no. I haven't got there yet. I didn't pre-read this article, so I don't know. Uh, I hadn't ever really gone outside of Tokyo. He said, I was able to discover all kinds of things that I had only known about in books. Um, throughout his journey, he would sleep in his car and had to endure some rather bad weather. At night, he camped out in the car, heavy rain, snow, earthquakes, but he never gave up. After finishing the trip, I uploaded my GPS data to Google Earth and showed my girlfriend the surprise message, to which his girlfriend responded, I kept thinking, where are you going without me? <laughs> well, the good news it says here is that his girlfriend is now his wife. <laughs> 
she definitely said yes to the proposal. That is amazing. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, but you're right, Serena. Can you imagine if she had said, if she'd said no? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I'm using something else from you tonight. Wow. I'm going to miss you if you keep getting banned. Please don't do that because you're, you're like my show producer. You're providing my content. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Again, a hat tip to Serena Lee, who also happens to be in our chat tonight. So thank you for that. Uh, this from a, a face. <laughs> yeah, the world would have hated her. You're exactly right. <clears throat> this is from, uh, <laughs> from Serena. And I just wanted to end you with something funny. And it is <clears throat> mergers for 2021. If you have any money left, and I know these days with house arrests and, and lockdowns, thanks, Serena, um, with house arrests, lockdowns, people's businesses going out of business, uh, you should be aware of the next round of potential company mergers so that you can get in on the ground floor, which will likely make you some big, big uber bucks. Watch out for some of these consolidations that may be happening in 2021 or maybe 2022. Hail Business Systems, Mary Kay Cosmetics, you should write this down, Fuller Brush and W.R. Grace Company are going to merge. The new company will be called Hail Mary Fuller Grace. Never mind. Uh, let's see. Other potential mergers here. Uh, Polygram Records, Warner Brothers, and Zesta Crackers could be joining forces and become Poly Warner Cracker. Okay. Uh, 3M. They see a potential merger with Goodyear, which would then, of course, be a new company called Mm-mm, good. Uh, Zippo Manufacturing, Audi Motors, DeFosco, and Dakota Mining. If they decided to merge those companies, the new company would become zip a dee do da I can't do this. FedEx may very well join up with its competitor UPS and become fed up. Okay, we got a laugh on that one. We got a laugh. The studio audience actually managed to give a laugh. Uh, Fairchild Electronics and Honeywell Computers will be farewell, Honeychild. Yeah, never mind. Uh, Grey Poupon and Docker Pants expected to become... Poupon pants. <laughs> this is beyond bad. All right, one more. Knott's Berry Farm and the National Organization of Women will now be known as Not Now. <laughs> oh, man. I just can't. I gotta stop. All right, where are we? 
It's time for the book. Let's move to the book, shall we? We've done like 40 minutes of absolute nonsense tonight. I love it. Thank you. And thanks to Serena for your contributions to the show tonight. It was was interesting, (laughs) to say the least. All right. As you know... (laughs) As you know, we read classic books on this show in the last part of our uh, of our stream. And um, we've done a bunch of them already. We started with uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. We read through that. We got uh, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, The Little Prince. Uh, they are all available, by the way, in just the audiobook portion. It's a video, but it's me reading the books, all organized by chapters and parts. And uh, you can have access to that. It's an exclusive access to our Patreon members at a second tier level. Patreon.com slash Sheldon. You want to sign up and help us out to support the show. You'll get a special link that will give you access to all of just our book. The books are still there. You can still find them in our full show. But this is all edited out, so it's only the books. Like your own little audio book library read by me. All right. So anyway, we've done a whole bunch. Uh, We did Peter Rabbit, and then we've moved on just a stream or two ago to H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, which is an amazing book. First uh, serialized back in 1897 by Pearson Magazine in the UK and Cosmopolitan Magazine in the US. And the very first uh, hardcover appearance as a novel happened uh, a year later in 1898. So we finished chapter one, which was pretty much a bunch of exposition for the story. And we are moving on tonight to chapter two. Serena is going to eat some leftover kielbasa. Love your show. See you next time. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, let's get into it now. Uh, We're doing chapter two from H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. It is called The Falling Star. Star. There we go. Then came the night of the first falling star. It was seen early in the morning, rushing over Winchester eastward, a line of flame high in the atmosphere. Hundreds must have seen it and taken it for an ordinary falling star. Alban described it as leaving a greenish streak behind it that glowed for some seconds. Denning, our greatest authority on meteorites, stated that the height of its first appearance was about 90 or 100 miles. It seemed to him that it fell to earth about 100 miles east of him. I was at home at that hour and writing in my study, and although my French windows faced towards... Ottershaw and the blind was up, and I loved in those days to look up at the night sky. I saw nothing of it. Yet this strangest of all things that ever came to earth from outer space must have fallen while I was sitting there, visible to me had I only looked up as it passed. Some of those who saw its flight say it traveled without a hissing sound. I myself heard nothing. Many people in Berkshire, Surrey, and Middlesex must have seen the fall of it, and at most have thought that another meteorite had descended. 
No one seemed to have troubled to look for the fallen mass that night. But very early in the morning, poor Ogilvy, who had seen the shooting star and who was persuaded that a meteorite lay somewhere on the common between Horsell, Ottershaw, and Walking, rose early with the idea of finding it. Well, find it he did, soon after dawn and not far from the sand pits. An enormous hole had been made by the impact of the projectile, and the sand and gravel had been flung violently in every direction. Over the heath, forming heaps visible a mile and a half away, the heather was on fire eastward, and a thin blue smoke rose against the dawn. The thing itself lay almost entirely buried in sand, amidst the scattered splinters of a fir tree it had shivered to fragments in its descent. The uncovered part had the appearance of a huge cylinder, caked over and its outlines softened by a thick, scaly, dung-colored incrustation. It had a diameter of about thirty yards. He approached the mass, surprised at the size, and more so at the shape, since most meteorites are rounded more and less completely. It was, however, still so hot from its flight through the air as to forbid his near approach. A stirring noise within its cylinder he ascribed to the unequal cooling of its surface, for at that time it hadn't occurred to him that it might be hollow. He remains standing at the edge of the pit that the thing had made for itself, staring at its strange appearance, astonished chiefly at its unusual shape and color, and dimly perceiving even then some evidence of design in its arrival. The early morning was wonderfully still, and the sun just clearing the pine trees towards Weybridge was already warm. He did not remember hearing any birds that morning. There was certainly no breeze stirring, and the only sounds were the faint movements from within the cindery cylinder. He was all alone on the common. Then, suddenly, he noticed with a start that some of the gray clinker ashy incrustation that covered the meteorite, was falling off the circular edge of the end. It was dropping off in flakes and raining down upon the sand. A large piece suddenly came off and fell with a sharp noise that brought his heart into his mouth. For a minute, he could scarcely realize what this meant, and although the heat was excessive, he clambered down into the pit close to the bulk to see the thing more clearly. He fancied even then that the cooling of the body might account for this. But what disturbed that was the idea that the fact that ash was falling only from the end of the cylinder. And then he perceived that, very slowly, the circular top of the cylinder was rotating on its body. It was such a gradual movement that he discovered it only through noticing that a black mark 
that had been near him five minutes ago was now at the other side of the circumference. Even then he scarcely understood what this indicated until he heard a muffled grating sound and saw the black mark jerk forward an inch or so. Then the thing came upon him in a flash. The cylinder was artificial, hollow, with an end that screwed out. Something within the cylinder was unscrewing the top. Good heavens, said Ogilvy. There's a man in it, men in it, half roasted to death, trying to escape. At once, with a quick mental leap, he linked the thing with the flash upon Mars. The thought of the confined creature was so dreadful to him that he forgot the heat and went forward to the cylinder to help turn. But luckily the dull radiation arrested him before he could burn his hands on the still glowing metal. At that he stood irresolute for hands for a, he stood irresolute for a moment, then turned, scrambled out of the pit, and set off running wildly into walking. This time, then, must have been somewhere around six o'clock. He met a wagoner and tried to make him understand, but the tale he told and his appearance were so wild, his hat had fallen off in the pit, that the man simply drove on. He was equally unsuccessful with the potman who was just unlocking the doors of the public house by Horsell Bridge. The fellow thought he was a lunatic at large and made an unsuccessful attempt to shut him into the taproom. That sobered him a little, and when he saw Henderson, the London journalist, in his garden, he called over the palings and made himself understood. Henderson, he called. You saw that shooting star last night? Well, said Henderson, it's out on Horsell Common now. Good Lord, said Henderson. Fallen meteorite? That's good. Uh, but it's something more than a meteorite. It's, it's a cylinder, an artificial cylinder man. And there's something inside it. Henderson stood up with his spade in his hand. Uh, "'What's that?' he said. He was deaf in one ear. Ogilvy told him all he'd seen. Henderson was a minute or so in taking it in, and then he dropped his spade, snatched up his jacket, and came out to the road. The two men hurried back at once to the common and found the cylinder still lying in the same position. But now the sounds inside had ceased.' and a thin circle of bright metal showed between the top and the body of the cylinder. Air was either entering or escaping at the rim with a thin sizzling sound. They listened, rapped on the scaly burnt metal with a stick, and meeting with no response, they both concluded the man or men inside must be insensible, or dead. Of course, the two were quite unable to do anything. They shouted consolation and promises and went off back to town again to get help. 
One can imagine them covered with sand, excited and disordered, running up to the little street in the bright sunlight, just as the shop folks were taking down their shutters and people were opening up their bedroom windows. Henderson went into the railway station at once in order to telegraph the news to London. The newspaper articles had prepared men's mind for the reception of the idea. By eight o'clock, a number of boys and unemployed men had already started for the common to see the dead men from Mars. That was the form the story took. I heard of it first from my newspaper boy about a quarter to nine when I went out to get my daily chronicle. I was naturally startled and lost no time in going out across the Ottershaw Bridge to the sand pits. And that's chapter two of the war of the worlds. We can't wait to find out what happens next. <laughs> All right. Hope you enjoyed that. That was fun. War of the Worlds, the original by H.G. Wells. That's going to wrap up our show for a Saturday night. Thank you so much for popping by and stopping in. Again, patreon.com slash Sheldon if you want to help support the show. We really appreciate that. If you find us over on rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants, it's all free. Just click that subscribe button. Sign up for account. That's free, too. And uh, look for J. Sheldon No Pants. That's our logo. You'll know it's us. And subscribe, please, if you would. It is free. I appreciate all of you uh, popping in and saying hello. Serena, thank you once again for your contributions. And I will see you again on Monday night. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. And I'm not wearing pants. Good night. A major. Yo.